Yeah, so if you would, go ahead and turn to First uh, Timothy chapter 2. <laughs> um, so a few things real quick. Uh, when we first started the evangelism training stuff, um, I gave you all these these little pieces of paper, and I was like, well, let me just laminate them that way. That way you won't lose them. So this is, this is a quick reference, basically, of uh, just the few things, right? So number one, crunch questions. Um, here's a way that you can kind of get going. Do you get to attend church? Yes or no. Uh, will, will you go to heaven when you die? Yes or no. How do you know? Do you think a person could know? Um, anything other than Christ alone of do they know that they're going to go to heaven? Then you can start working on these other things. If you could know, would you want to know? Um, if I could show you based on the authority of the scriptures that you can know, would you want to know? Then we get to three critical issues, which is Romans 3, 23, 24, and 25, which man's problem, God's solution, our reply. Um, and on the back is the decision, uh, kind of working through all this. Uh, do the things I've shared with you really make sense? Do you desire to have eternal life? Would you like to trust Christ as your Savior right now? Um, <clears throat> what do you decide? So there's ways, that, again, this is just kind of a quick reference to kind of help you go through uh, on that. Uh, and then the fourth part there is the follow-up, which of course we remember we talked about, that's the most important thing. Um, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? Um, how do you know? Uh, what did he say, um, he would give you when you trusted Christ? The answer of course is eternal life. How long is eternal life? Forever. Uh, do you think you would ever get out of the family of God? Which of course the answer is no. And what happens when you sin? Well, I've already been forgiven as a saint of the most high God. So I want to be forgiven. And I thank the Lord for it. All right. So we kind of move on from there. So that's again, just a real quick reference, just to kind of keep those things in mind as you go through there. All right. <clears throat> again, uh, come on now. I have a quick question. Yes, sir. On this one where it says, would you like to trust Christ as your savior right now? Mm-hmm. Because you first you have to receive Christ, right? Well, so it's, it's kind of a receive and believe. You receive Christ as your Savior, and you believe the gospel. Well, you receive him by believing. It all happens at the same time, yeah. 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 But no, that's, that's a good point. But yeah, that, that would be... Because they usually don't know what the gospel is. Yeah. If you say, do you want to receive Christ as your Savior, that's a good well, thing. Well, and of course, on that is considering you've already presented the gospel to them. So do you trust it? Yeah. Yeah. And again, that's why I said that's just kind of a quick reference to keep you on track. But yeah, there's there's a lot on there <laughs> that's not on there. Right. And that comes from just you doing it. So. <clears throat> um, so first Timothy, chapter two, uh, I, I just want to start here. Verse verse three, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God, our savior who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Uh, and of course, that's the point, right? That's what we're, that's what this whole thing with the evangelism training clinic is designed for is that we would be able to be a part of whether we water or whether we plant. Um, our goal is that we want to be on the same page as what God's will is, right? What his goal is. And that's that all men be saved 
but don't stop there, but come to the knowledge of the truth, right? <clears throat> so that's kind of been the main verse that we've been looking at. Um, and I just want to start off with this. The, the very first thing that we have here on Lesson 8, um, we've got a quote. Have we been so preoccupied with defining the gospel, which is important, and defending the gospel, which is also important, that we've neglected declaring the gospel, which is tragic? Uh, has the church become sinfully silent? I, I like that quote because, you know, and, and a lot of times what happens is have we, I would almost say, have we gotten to the point where we worry more about teaching people right division than finding out if they're saved first because teaching the right division is not going to happen if they're not saved it's never going to make sense to them i mean it doesn't even make sense to saved people <laughs> uh, oftentimes because it flies in the face of what they believe but it's never going to make sense to uh, we've we've looked at in first corinthians chapter two the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit because they're spiritually discerned, right? There's things that we've got to be able to make sure that we look at as far as that goes. Now, on on the next part there, what we've got is <clears throat> how do you view ministry? So you've got two, two choices there. How is it that you view ministry? Do we go get people and bring them into church and then try to get them saved? Or do we go out and present the gospel, and then get the people come in to come to the knowledge of the truth, right? That's the idea that I want us to think about. Don't think about, oftentimes, church has fallen in the trap of, well, as long as we can get them here, then we can love them enough, and that's not going to do it. And so that's why, you know, and, and we've got folks that I know that have said to us, well, you don't have any programs. Why should I come? Well, <laughs> the problem is you got a you got a warped view of what church is. Church isn't a program. Um, and even even down here, bold print down there at the bottom, evangelism is a lifestyle, not a program. Um, we're talking about a lifestyle. We're talking about life. You know, when when we present a gospel to somebody, we're presenting a life changing message that not only changes their destination but it actually changes there now as well. And that's one of those things that we want to make sure that we think about because church for a long time has thought, well, if we get people to come in, then we'll keep them with the music, we'll keep them with the programs, we'll keep them with this, we'll keep them with that. And if we just love them enough, eventually they'll start believing what we believe. And that's just not, that's not going to happen. Um, so we've got to think, what I want us to be able to think about is don't think of bringing people in and get them saved, but we go out. The purpose of us meeting here is to fellowship around God's word about the truths that we have, all the things that we have in common, rejoicing in that, and then taking that information out and going out and telling people, taking them the gospel, and then we get to bring them back here. Then we get to fellowship around the things that they now have in common with us, right, and, and kind of keeping those things um, in, in mind. The other thing that I want us to be able to see down at the bottom is another quote by Paul Borman. The other one was Les Lofquist. Um, somehow, tragically, much of the Christian church has substituted other goals and objectives for the preaching of the cross. Christianity, quote-unquote, has taken on the characteristics of the heathen religions around us, building up membership, constructing temples, 
making adherence, raising funds, performing ceremonies, <coughs> attending meetings, saying prayers, building schools, organizations, and denominations until today. Christianity, quote-unquote, has come to be merely another sect or religion. The world seemingly no longer realizes that Christians have been trusted by God with a vital message, a message of life and death, and that our responsibility is to deliver this message to every person. That, that, that paragraph there, that was written not last week. Just kind of let you know that was that that quote comes from a long time ago, but we see the exact same things taking place today, right? That's 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 to me that that's one of those things you kind of take a look at and say, okay, that's exactly what's going on today, <clears throat> because that's what most church goals are: is let's build a big machine, and the machine will take care of itself. And one of the things we've always said is form should follow function not function following form. It's not, here's this form, let's go function in the form. It's kind of like what we're doing. It's almost organic, if you will. You know, we're, hey, we've got a lot of folks. We're starting to function in a certain way. Now we need to figure out the form around the function to make sure we take advantage of the, of the function that's taking place already. Um, now, <clears throat> On the second page here, we start getting into some things that uh, can become a problem. Go get, uh, go get Romans 16 real quick. <laughs> oh, yeah. <clears throat> Romans chapter 16, um, I'll just point this out. Notice in verse 17, by the way, I am shocked at how many people really, really like this verse when it's not about them. Yeah, so Romans 16, 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned and avoid them. Now I know I know of one particular guy that has gotten to the point where he's marked and avoided everyone but himself. Boy, that's a <laughs> and he is by himself. He has no association with anybody, um, and he's a brilliant young man. And that's the that's the sad part is oftentimes we get to the point where it's we've we've gotten to the point where we've got this issue of isolation right now what's interesting is there's two places where paul says to mark one is mark and avoid the other was mark and follow really and oftentimes we forget about the mark and follow because we want to fuss and fight about the mark and avoid now there are some reasons to mark and avoid. Absolutely. If somebody comes along and says, well, you have to be baptized to be saved. What do we do? That's not true. We're not going to go to a Baptist church because that's what they teach. Right? So there's a marking and avoiding that's taking place, but there's, there's reasons behind that. 
But when we start looking at this, there is an issue. There is an issue with this isolation. Now, what we're looking at here is going to be more of, and you'll see this part here says many believers actually avoid connection with the world, mistaking it for spirituality. Now, that that's that's a statement that you know. <laughs> you you create your own isolation that way, where you're completely by yourself. It says, even going so far as to use the church as an extension of their isolationist lifestyle, many become rabbit hole Christians. In the morning, they pop up out of their safe Christian homes, hold their breath at work, scurry home to their families, and then off to the Bible studies. And finally, in the day, praying for the unbelievers, they safely avoid it all day. It's kind of a scary thing to think about because sometimes we, we, we get to that point sometimes, and it's not so much this marking and avoiding here, it's the, okay, I've gotten to a point where I know something and I want to completely separate myself from everybody. And that, that last phrase there, finally ending the day, praying for the unbelievers, they safely avoid it all day. Um, don't get caught up in that, right? We're, we are, we've mentioned this before, we are ambassadors, and an ambassador is to be what? They're God's representative in this earth. Well, who are we going to go represent ourselves to? Other people that believe the same way we do? No. We've got a lot of foreigners that we're going to go and talk to. We've got a lot of folks that are not part of God's family that we have to be able to go and be a part of. And as we've said before, you go through, and this is one of those things we can bring up during our conferences, Paul never prayed for unsaved people. Never. He prayed that he would have opportunities to talk to, to teach, and to preach and present the gospel. He did pray for that stuff. So you look at those things and say, okay, I don't go and avoid everything. What I look for are opportunities, right? Because what happens is we, we end up creating uh, our own isolation. <clears throat> Cure for isolation. We must engage the lost. We must get to a point where we care more about them than what if I'm rejected? Because they're not going to reject you. They're rejecting the message. Right? So that, that again, that's another one of those things we want to make sure that we get to. Get out of our comfort zones and be okay with people not liking what we say. You will have doors slammed in your face. That's okay. Because there's a bunch of other doors that you've not knocked on yet. Be prepared, or at least in my experience, that yes, they're rejecting your message and not you, but there are many lost people out there. They have their little clicks. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. No, it does. And another thing I've found out is there's certain times you don't want to go because when you see the, the white shirts and black ties walking around, you don't want to go around the same time they do because they think that you're the same group of people that they were, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but get out of your comfort zones and without compromising, get involved with the real people and their needs, their struggles, struggles, intellectual doubts. That's that bridge building that we've got here in this second part, the relational, 
build a bridge, confrontational, test the bridge, proclamational, cross the bridge. Right, kind of think of it that way. Um, so we'll take a look at some of these things. Relational, building a bridge, um, develop a bridge, <clears throat> befriend people. Um, it's God's will that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And what we've got to be able to do is be a part of it. Um, we've got some things here. Uh, go to Titus chapter 2. Uh, most of these we'll be able to get in Titus here. Well, all of these we're going to get in Titus. <clears throat> Now, you walking up and knocking on somebody's door, they're not going to know some of these things. Um, so a lot of these things are just going to be part of the work that you do with folks that you know. Uh, Titus chapter 2. Start here in... Um, I think that's supposed to be... We got a bunch of typos there, I believe. Um, Titus chapter two, notice in verse one. <clears throat> do you know what I need to do? Be in the book of Titus. That'll help. No, the typo was in in my Bible there. No. It was in my eyes is what it was. Titus chapter 2. Um, notice, notice this here, verse 1. Of course, we went over this a long time ago. But, um, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Well, we're going to have to be able to know what it is that sound doctrine is. That issue there, become sound doctrine, does that mean that if I say it enough, it becomes sound doctrine? The answer is no. The idea of speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, you, you ever... You ever thought about, you know, you talk to a lady or whatever, whenever you're talking to Lisa or uh, talking to Delilah or something like that, be like, you know, that hairdo becomes you, right? That dress becomes you. This issue of speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Here's sound doctrine. And what are we supposed to do is speak things that make that sound doctrine be what it's supposed to be. Speak those things which become sound doctrine. Those, that, that issue of this is what it's fitting, right? This, this, what I'm speaking, how I'm speaking, how I go about my life, what it does is it makes that sound doctrine look like what it's supposed to be, sound doctrine. Well, that... Mm -mm. No, uh, because and you see this, you see this as you go through and, and just to hold that thought. Um, <clears throat> if you drop down, if you drop down to verse seven, <coughs> verse six, he says, young men, likewise, exhort to be sober minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. That's that issue of becoming sound doctrine. The things that you say, what it is is somebody can't come along and say, that's not what sound doctrine is because you're actually doing it. So sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. 
your, your speech is so connected to the doctrine that it's showing what the doctrine is. This is what the doctrine is supposed to produce, right? So much so that somebody can't say, well, you're not because you are, right? And that's that issue of sound speech that cannot be condemned. That's that issue of something that becomes sound doctrine. It can't be condemned. What you're saying can't be condemned because that is sound doctrine. And it's putting on display what sound doctrine is. It's matching what sound doctrine is, right? And so then when we look at that, he's saying, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. Here's what sound doctrine is. And what you're saying is the same as sound doctrine. If you speak something contrary to sound doctrine, that's not becoming of sound doctrine, right? That's that idea that he's, that he's bringing up here is it's, it's your speech is suited to the sound doctrine. Your speech has the same purpose that sound doctrine does. And if our speech is different, then it's not doing what sound doctrine is supposed to do. It is. Mm-hmm. And that's what it's producing in you. Yeah. And so then, huh? The works. Yeah. And you see that, you see that as you go on down through there, because that's what he's doing is if you, and this, this goes all the way back to this issue. And that's why we got this issue here in verse seven, be a pattern of good works. So your speech should be aligned with sound doctrine. And what that is, is a good work. We think good work is going and being nice to people. No, good work is sticking to the doctrine. Don't be moved off what the doctrine is teaching. And what that does is this matches sound doctrine. What you're saying matches sound doctrine and nobody can have anything to say contrary to you. And so then you see this, you see this, and that's why we've got the good works as you're going down through here. When, hold your place there, Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, 9, and 10, right? 8, for by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Well, if you go over to Colossians chapter 2, and put that with this, Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord. So stop and, and we're in this issue anyway. How is it that you received Christ Jesus the Lord? By faith in what God's word says. So as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. So how is it that you perform good works is by faith in what God's word says. And that's a good work. We get caught up thinking good works is something I do. It's me trusting the verse. And what happens is there's work that's produced, not by us, but by the word working in and through us. And that's why we, we, we always stress the book is the issue. The word will work in you effectually when you believe it. If you don't believe it, it's not going to work effectually. 
And if you believe the wrong thing, it's not going to work effectually. It'll work effectively, but not effectually. And there's a difference between those two things, right? So when, you, when we look at this issue, we've, we've allowed sometimes the, the law thinking of, if I do this, this, and this, that's a good work. Good works is just, we, you know, we've talked about this before. <clears throat> if, if you allow God's word to work in you, the way he's designed it, God will produce. His word will produce. His word is life. And what happens is when you get that word in you, what should come out of you is that speech. And that speech should match sound doctrine. Right? That's what he's talking about over here in Timothy t- or Titus 2. No, it, it, they are completely, they're, they're completely different. Yeah, no, 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 but they, but there is a difference. So there is an effect that the word of God will produce. All right. That's the effectual issue that it will produce exactly what it is. You can be effective and not be effectual. Right. I can, I can go and be nice to somebody that's effective because now they're now they think pretty good about me. There's an effect that it has, but it might not have the effect that God's word is designed to produce. So it doesn't have a specific effect, but it will effectually, yeah. So then that that issue of <clears throat> is it effective as far as well they they think nice of you or whatever, but it may not have produced the intended meaning that that the doctrine would have produced, right? Because effective, like it can be effective. Um, so effectual and effective, but effective, effective is not necessarily effective. All right, we'll take that. So if you, so if you go into a church your first time, mm-hmm. assembly, they're going to love on you. You're going to feel love. That's effective. Mm-hmm. But if they're not producing or teaching you any sound doctrine, there's going to be no effectual. No, okay. no. The, the effectual is there is, there, is, there is something that it produces, right? Yep. Effective is, well, it's, it's good. That was effective. It made me feel something, you know, whatever it may be. But effectual is there is a particular goal, a purpose for it, right? I mean, we know our government works effectively because it produces some effects, <laughs> but... <laughs> It, years ago, years ago, it was effective. It's effective. It's, it's creating bad effects, right? But it's effective. But it's not producing what it should. It's not effectual. You're fine. You can get loved on at a bar. Father wants you to choose your eventual assembly based on doctrine first because you're going to get loved on anywhere you go. But if they're not yeah. teaching sound doctrine, the father's looking down and going, well, okay, you're getting, you're made to feel important every Sunday. 
Yeah, and that that's the point. Like you can feel love at, at the local Rose Pub on the other side of town. You can feel love there, but it's not going to produce God's love, right? So it, it's an effective issue. Is it's going to produce? You're going to feel love, but it's not effectual. Where it's actually going to produce what God wants it to produce. He yeah. didn't understand, but wait, let's look past that first. What are they teaching you in there? He comes in and says, man, I joined this church last week. It's okay, awesome. Yeah. I'm thinking, if I wish you could understand, though, they're not teaching a lot of truth over there. Yeah. So it happens a lot, by the way. It does. The emotions of human beings. People want to be loved. And when they well, can go be loved and they don't know much about doctrine, that. That second paragraph that we read, that's that issue. It's effective. That's why they do it. It's effective to have programs because it brings people in. But is that God's purpose is to get people into a church because church attendance doesn't get you saved, right? So that issue of, and, and again, it's one of those things. I want us, I want us to point, I'm going to point this out. Good works are not things that we choose to do. Let's get that out real quick because there's grace people that don't understand that. Good works are produced by the word working in you. When we read Galatians 5 and it talks about the fruit of the Spirit, that's not the fruit that you produce based on the Spirit's help. This is fruit that the Spirit itself will produce in you when you believe. If you want to know love, allow the Spirit to produce that in you. If you want to know joy, allow the word to produce that. Allow the, the spirit to do that. And that that issue of these good works that we see here on this list that I've got, uh, chapter 2, verse 7, in all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. Well, how is it that you become a pattern of good works? Through the word. Do you believe the word? As you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in him. It's not, I've I've been saved by faith now i gotta go do some stuff it's you were saved by faith and you're gonna go do stuff by faith and it's not you producing things it's the word producing it in you get out of the way and let god's word do his work because he's designed it to do that it will produce these things and if your speech matches and becomes sound doctrine to put it on display when, you're, when, you're, when your speech produces that, what happens is your sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he is the contrary part may be ashamed having no evil say, thing to say of you. But in showing thyself a pattern of good works, how do you do that? It's a constant, consistent, day by day, minute by minute, second by second, choosing to believe the verses. And they will produce exactly what God's designed it to produce. You, that way you'll be a pattern of good works. Verse 14, uh, talking about Christ who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. 
Do you want to be zealous of good works? Find out how good works are produced. Don't go try to be good works. <laughs> Allow the book to do it. Um, chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers to obey magistrates to be ready to every good work. Titus chapter 3. Same, same book, yeah. <clears throat> oh, yeah. Did I leave you on Colossians? My apologies. You should have just read my mind. <laughs> Well, here's my thing. The way the way that I read Second Timothy two fifteen is study to show thyself approved. It's not don't study to become approved because you're already approved. But you study to find out that you are approved, and the only way that you find out that you're already approved is by rightly dividing the word of truth. It's not study to become approved because that's a work. But you have you find that out that you're already approved. You study to find out that you are. Yeah. When you study it, rightly divided, you find out, I am complete in him. I'm accepted in the beloved. The fact that you're accepted in the beloved means you're approved. And you live based off of that, believing that verse. And you can't live it if you don't know it. We, that's our saying is you can't teach what you don't know and you can't live what you don't know. And if you live thinking I've got to become approved, you're never going to find out that you already are. And that's what this, and you look again, just keep going through. We'll finish up here. Uh, chapter three, verse eight, Titus three, eight. This is a faithful saying, and these things I will that thou affirm constantly that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto men. How are you going to maintain good works? Believe the verse. Believe the verse. Every one of these, believe the verse. Chapter, chapter 3, verse 14. And let ours, let ours also learn to maintain good works for necessary uses. Why? that they be not unfruitful. Well, who's producing fruit? The Spirit. Who's going to, produce, who's going to be unfruitful is us. When we try to do something, we're going to be unfruitful. How is it that you're going to learn to maintain good works is you've got to learn to stick with the book 100% of the time. And again, that's one of the reasons why we care so much about the words on the page because the words on the page is and always will be the issue, right? Um, so then when we develop these bridges with people, how do we do that is by these things. What do we care about? The book. It's always the Bible. Always the Bible. Never us. It's always the scripture. Um, not what we think is good because... Well, it's easy to do because you'll always agree with yourself. Yeah, no, no, that's that's why you've got that issue of isolation because I agree with me one hundred percent of the time. You know, 
And when you come to a verse, you find out, well, that's not what I believe, but that's what the verse says. You got to change what you believe or change the verse. Well, never change the verse, but a lot of people do. That's another one of the reasons why you've got all those versions out there. They go find another version that says what they want it to. All right. Um, good stuff. We'll go ahead and stop there. Um, questions, comments, concerns. One thing I do want to mention while you're thinking of that, um, I mentioned before about creating like a, a curriculum or whatever for new believers. Uh, and I would call it like an assimilation series maybe. Um, titles of something like your new life getting started beginning bible studies going on with christ uh, but think about developing an edification program based on the romans 16 25 and 26 because that's the the pattern of edification um, that we go off of all right so we good